Chapter Nine of Some Everyday Folk and Dawn by Miles Franklin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The night has a stolen view of the lady. Grandma Clay kept me in bed that day, so I forgot all about my appointment on the river until some time after three, when Andrew announced from the doorway, "A man wants to know can he see you." Who can he be? He's a puddin-faced, red-headed bloke, wearin' a blue sweater under his coat like the bike-riders, was Andrew's very unknightly description of the knight whom I had chosen to play lead in the drama of the beautiful young lady at Clay's. That's a particular friend of mine. You may show him in, I said. Wouldn't Dawn to be woken up first and told to scoot out of that, said he. Dawn was one of those young beings so thoroughly inured to easy living that the few hours' sleep she had lost the night before had made her so dozy when she had come to keep me company now that I had persuaded her to rest beside me on the broad bed, where, much against Andrew's sense of propriety, she was fast asleep. "'I'll hide her thus,' I said, covering her with a counterpane, for it would not be good stage management to allow the lady to escape when a fitting night was on the threshold. This satisfied Andrew, who withdrew to usher in the puddin-faced red-headed bloke, who sat in the doctor's chair, and made a few ordinary remarks about the weather, and some equally kind about my state of health. When in the company of ladies, the only brilliance and evidence about my young friend was the colour of his hair, so there was little danger of his waking dawn with his chatter, as he sat inwardly consumed with a desire to escape. As I lay with my hand where I could feel the girl's healthy breathing, I wondered, would she too dismiss my chosen knight as pudding-faced and red-headed, or would she see him with my eyes? His locks, certainly, were of that most attractive shade hair can be, and his looks were further enhanced by a clear-tanned skin and dark eyes. His large, clean-shaven features had the fullness and roundness of unspent youth in full bloom, and he was far from the small bullet-headed type which accounted for Andrew's designation of pudding-faced. I had always found him one of the most virile and upright young creatures I had ever seen, and he had endeared himself to me by his simple, untainted manliness and the fragrant evidence of health his presence distilled. Dawn, too, was so robust that there was a likelihood of her being attracted by her opposite and inclined to favour a carpet night before one of the open field. Some men have brain and muscle, but this is a combination as rare as beauty and high intellect in women and almost as startling in its power for good or evil. But apart from the combination, the wholesome athlete is generally the more lovable. When his brawn is coupled with a good disposition, he sees in woman a fragile flower that he longs to protect, and measuring her weakness by his beautiful strength is easily imposed upon. His muscle is an engine a woman can unfailingly command for her own purposes, whereas brilliance of intellect, though it may command a great public position in the reflected glory of which some women love to bask, nevertheless, under pressure in the domestic arena, is liable to be too sharply turned against wives, mothers, and daughters to be a comfortable piece of household furniture. On the other hand, the athlete may have the muscles of a Samson, and yet, being slow of thought and speech, be utterly defenceless in a woman's hands. No matter how aggravatingly wrong she may be, he cannot bring brute force to bear to vanquish a creature so delicate, and being possessed of no other weapon, he is compelled to cultivate patience and good temper. Also, health and strength are conducive to equability of temper. 
and hence the domestic popularity of the man of brawn above the one of brain who is not infrequently exacting and crossly egotistical in his family relations where the other would be lenient and go easy the silence of my guest and myself was presently broken by dawn turning about under the counterpane good gracious what have you got there inquired ernest is it that old terrier you used to have terrier indeed i have here a far more beautiful pet because you are such a good child i will allow you just one glance come now be careful the girl's dress was unbuttoned at the throat displaying a perfect curve of round white neck her tumbled brown curls strayed over the dimpled oval face the long jetty lashes resting on the flushed cheeks fringed some eyelid curves that would have delighted an artist the curling lips were slightly parted showing the tips of her pretty teeth and the lifted coverlet disclosed to view as lovely a sleeping beauty as any of the armoured knights of old ever fought and died for the latter-day one politely curious regarding my pet bent over to accord a casual glance but the vision meeting his eyes sent the blood in a crimson wave over his tanned cheeks and caused him to draw back with a start it was inconsistent that he should have been so completely abashed at the sight of a fully dressed sleeping girl who was placidly unconscious of his gaze when it was his custom to regularly occupy the stalls and enjoy the choruses and ballets composed of young ladies very wide awake and wearing only as much covering as compelled by the law but where is consistency i had no idea it would er uh, be a young lady he stammered keeping his eyes religiously lowered and fidgeting in a palsy of shyness such as used to be an indispensable accomplishment of young ladies in past generations just take a good look she'll bear inspection i said i'd rather not the young lady might not like it but i'm giving you permission she's mine and then run before she discovers you have pirated a glance i will keep the secret he lifted his eyes but so swiftly and hesitatingly that i could not be sure that he had discerned the beauty that was blushing half unseen instead of being displayed under limelight and drawn attention to by brass trumpets in accordance with the style of this advertisement age as ernest went out andrew came in and awakened dawn with a request to make him some doughnuts for tea but she ordered him to go to carry as it was her week in the kitchen bust this week in the kitchen a feller can hear nothing else it's enough to give him the pip it ought to be put up like a notice so it could be known he grumbled as he departed that evening mrs bray made one of her calls which were always more good-natured regarding the length of time she gave us than the tone of her remarks about people the famous mrs tinker it appeared from the latest account of her vagaries had enlivened the lives of nanoon inhabitants by swearing in a hair-lifting manner at one of the local shows because her horses had not been awarded first prize etc etc whether as carrie averred it was this conversation that did the mischief or not the fact remains that i became too faint to speak and the girls would not leave me all night i lay that way all the next day too so that when ernest called to make inquiries and discovered my state he took a turn at making himself useful prevailing upon grandma clay to allow him to do so by explaining that he was a very firm friend of mine and had had some experience of invalids owing to his mother having been one for some years before her death both of which statements were perfectly true 
as i improved i was anxious to discover what impression he had made on the household and cautiously sounded them he seems to be a chap with some heart in him said grandma he put some of these fine lardy dars to shame always like a man that ain't above attending on a sick person like jim clay he could put a poultice on and lift up a sick person better'n all the women i ever see it's always jim clay said dawn in an irreverent aside i never heard of a man yet whether he was tall or short or squat or lean or young or old but he was like jim clay if he did any good i'm about dead sick of him you don't seem to remember jim clay was your grandfather i said as his relict left the room and that he is very dear in your grandmother's memory it is pleasing how she recalls him wait till your hair is grey my dear and if you have someone as dearly enshrined in your heart it will be a good sign that your life has not been without savour yes of course i do forget to think of him as my grandfather never hearing of him only as this everlasting jim clay and if he was like that red-headed fellow it would take a lot of him to be remembered as anything but a big pug-looking creature that i'd be ashamed to be seen with this was not a proprietor's first impression and as she was inclined to be censorious i considered it diplomatic to point out his detractions knowing that the combative propensity of the young lady would then seek for recommendations yes he is a great unattractive red-headed looking lump isn't he oh i wouldn't say that he looks fine and healthy at all events and i do like to see a man that doesn't make one afraid he'll drop to pieces if you look at him but he's hopelessly red-headed i opined but it isn't that sandy insipid sort of red it's very dark and thick and his skin is clear and brown not that mangy looking sample that usually goes with red hair contended dawn and being willing that she should retain this opinion i let the point go there is one advantage in heart trouble that it often departs as suddenly as it attacks and ere it was again carrie's week in the house i was once more able to stroll round and depend upon andrew for entertainment he invited me to the dairy to see him turn to the hand cream separator and i remained to dry the discs out of its bowl while he washed them he had a conversational turn and in his choice of subjects was a patriot he never went out of his realm for imported themes but entirely confined his patronage to those at hand this day his discourse was of blowflies i cared not though it had been of manure i had knocked around the sharp corners of life sufficiently to have got a sensible adjustment of weights and measures refinements and vulgarities besides i gratefully remembered the tears andrew had shed during my illness and bore in mind that many a dandy who could please me by his phraseology of choice anecdotes could not be more than bored though i might die in torture at his feet my word i'm thankful for the winter for one thing he began and that's because there ain't any blowflies they give you the pip in the summer they used to be here blowing everything they come across they'd blow the cream if we left it a day they'd blow you if you didn't look sharp i had whisky taught to catch em here whisky whisky and as that mongrel appeared his master tossed him pallets of curds dipped in cream and grinned delightedly as they were fiercely snapped he thinks it's blowflies great little whisky good little whisky catch em blowflies by jove i've had enough of farming he continued it's the god-forsakenest game but me grandma won't let me chuck it i notice no one with any sense stays farmin 
they all get a job on the railway or take to auctioneering or something with money in it you're always scratching on a farm you should have been here in the summer when the tomatoes was ripe couldn't get rid of em for a song couldn't get cases enough they rotted in the field till the stink of them was worse than a chow's camp and what didn't rot was just cooked in the sun peaches the same and great big melons for a shilling a dozen that's farming for you the only time you could sell things would be when you haven't got em whiskey can eat melon like a good un and grapes too andrew now threw out the wash-up water pitching it on to whiskey who went away whimpering aggrievedly much to the delight of his master and illustrating that even the favourite pet of a youth has something to put up with in this imperfect life. End of chapter 9